Hello, fellow riders. It's your host, Rusty James. It is Tuesday, November 13th, 2018, and this is The Ride. Well, I haven't been on the podcast circuit in a while. I I thought I'd get back in touch with you all. It's a good thing to stay in touch. Well, recently I had a situation in our family. My father, David Rogo, you may recall I had an interview with him a couple years back uh, about folk music and the history of that. Some really cool stuff. You'll have to check it out. Uh, Anyway, my father went to be with the Lord this last weekend, and I thought it would be fitting to talk a little bit about his life and legacy today, and how that pertains to how we live our lives. Would that be okay? So I'll get right into it. My dad, and I'm going to probably get some of this stuff wrong because I was a little boy when he got married. Actually, I was... Not a little boy when I, he got married, obviously. Um, but I was a little boy in those early years. And I you know, I didn't care much about life issues. Like I do right now, I cared about my toys and my um, food, I guess. Pretty much toys and food. That's about it. But at that time, my dad cared more about toys and food. He had a life to lead and a family to lead. As a new dad, he didn't know the Lord at the time. And like I said, I don't know a whole lot about that situation back then. But I can tell you what I remember. And that's what I'm doing. I'm having a remembrance and you're along for the ride. So I grew up in a small house in Portage, Michigan. And I have fond memories. I remember when I was being held by my father as a toddler. I loved my daddy, and I had, I had a home. Now I know that he didn't know the Lord at the start of the marriage, but it didn't take long, and he was, he was always a seeker. I know that about him. He was a seeker of truth, and, and he was a gentle guy in the very heart of hearts. I think it was my grandmother, Christine Schreer, that played a a major role in introducing him to Christ. Obviously, my mother did too. But I think there was a connection there with his mother-in-law. And in 1972, Easter Sunday, he accepted the Lord. I believe I've got that right. And really had a profound change in his heart obviously and it played out in in the things that he did and and how he saw the world and and that's what Christ will do it's never been said that having Christ in your life just makes everything perfect the bible is very clear that it's not that at all however it lets the imperfections of our life and the imperfections of our world and the imperfections of other people sinful th- actions of others to be understood better and not to necessarily dismiss bad behavior 
but understand why it's happening. And as we rest in Christ and live our life leaning on Christ, who is perfect, it allows us to handle those situations better, much better than if we didn't have a solid anchor that we could be resting in. So my dad, the story is told that he went to church on that Easter Sunday and saw these blossoms of dogwood tree up on the altar. And if, if you know anything about the dogwood tree, there's a lot of Christian symbolism in the blossoms and in how the tree grows. Uh, so it, it really points to a lot of symbolism as far as the, the number of blossoms and, and how it looks like there's stains on certain parts of the blossom that represent the blood of Christ and, and the pierced Savior on the cross. And uh, I think that really touched him when he saw that at the altar because what had happened leading up to that day, he had planted a dogwood tree at our home, but it never seemed to grow. I'm not sure how much before that Easter Sunday it was planted, but it just didn't, it didn't show the life and I believe they talked to somebody who knew something about trees and they said something odd. It was, you've got to shock the tree. Sometimes you have to shock and hit that tree and wake it up. That's kind of news to me. But Dad took a baseball bat and wrapped it with a towel or something and smacked that tree. But nothing happened. And... I think he was dismayed by the lack of life shown in that tree. Well, you know, here's Easter Sunday and they're getting going out to the car and wouldn't you know, the tree is in full blossom. And then he gets to church and you got dogwood blossoms on the altar. Well, that's where he gave his heart to the Lord. It was a surrender. When we do this, it's a surrender. We say enough of our own way of living I'm going to live according to the ways that Christ has established I'll always remember the smacking of the tree because in some ways isn't it true God has to kind of smack us into some sense at times I mean there's things in my life that I've had to go through and I can look back at it now and say you know what if it weren't for that discomfort I wouldn't have really understood the comfort of life that God can give. Sometimes I had to go through the valley so I can get to that next plateau. And that's a picture of my dad's life. He wasn't perfect. He had his ups and downs. But through it all, he had this beautiful, tender heart. And it was always apparent to me. And I think he'd get frustrated with the world and and the way things were going and and sometimes you'd even take it out on God. But even now, I still remember that. And it's a symbol to me that I don't have to have it all together. And I can make mistakes, too. I just can't let go of the truth. The truth is setting me free every day. And I cannot let go of it. And though my emotions might falter at times, just like my car just almost skidded out of control right now, On this fresh ice, if I'm relying on the master to kind of steer me home, always, I'm going to be okay.
And if I can live that way and I can teach my kids to live that way and they can teach theirs and so on, then the legacy of my father is exactly what Christ would want. I've known a lot of people that if things aren't going their way and they encounter tough things in life, they shut down and they and they want to be in blame mode. They want to blame others. They want to blame God. They, anything else. I'm not saying that it's necessarily anyone's fault. Sometimes just life has some weird crap in it. Just saying. Those last weeks with my father while I was in the hospital were some of the best times I, I recall. He was dealing with a lung issue which was slowly deteriorating and really numbering his days. And he knew this. And in the course of those two weeks, I saw a man go from a hard heart who still had that gentle spirit within him, but he just was so frustrated with things. And he was so frustrated with God, and he had wished things had turned out differently. And I saw a man surrendered to God. Now perhaps he, he knew that his days were numbered and he ought to do that. It'd be better if he had done that years ago, but I'll take it. I saw him change. I saw him have more life in his last days than I had seen in the five years previous. And it was such a blessing to see that. And we got to talk about just funny stories growing up in our home. We got to talk about all the people that he was so desperate to forgive. He wanted to leave this world in a better place than than he came into it. I think he I think he wanted to leave this world better off. He had a chance to have heart-to-heart conversations and really clear the air on a lot of things and I'm so glad and it's such a testimony to his character. You know that day back in 72 when he said, "You know what? Not my will, but yours." Lord, you're in charge of my life. That colored things in his life. That changed how he approached things. I could go on and on about the times we went around to friends' houses and he'd bring his guitar and we would sing folk songs and those funny songs that made us kids giggle. Like, I'll never forget this song called Fod. It was so funny. There was one note in it was obviously a wrong note, but it was done on purpose. As I went down to the mowing field, to ra to ra fad lickadado. As I went down to the mowing field, fad bow. As I went down to the mowing field, the big black snake got me by the heel to Raleigh Day. I will never get tired of that song. It's just a nonsense song, funny song. I was probably four years old when I heard it the first time. And when I hear it now, 
I feel like that kid again. Part of my dad's legacy is instilling music into his kids. There's a power in music. I could go on and on about when we would go up north to an old Boy Scout campground area. We got to stay in the lodge at the lake. This is because my step-grandfather worked for the Boy Scouts and and the family would get to use the lodge a week a year. I have incredible memories of that. Fishing and hanging out, cooking fish and having fish for breakfast, having fish for lunch and having fish for dinner. (laughs) Watching my dad being a husband and learning intangible things that would help me in the future. I could go on and on about his music ministry stuff. He used to sing worship in a number of different churches. Even in the Catholic Church, they had a renewal at this point in the 70s when he played guitar and his wife Carol would sing with him and right in the right in the big cathedral they had a an acoustic guitar mass kind of thing going on and I remember sitting over there where they were I love Catholic Church I I kind of like the wine it was kind of awesome I have fond memories of that time when at Christmas time we would go to Mass and they would ring the bells. The ki- all the kids would get these jingle bells and we'd, it was, I think they call it the Jingle Bell Mass or something like that. Dad would do weddings and sing at weddings and that meant we got to go to weddings. It's kind of funny. It's it's actually really funny because I'm I'm hearing myself say the, these words and and Dad would say this. It's kind of funny. In fact, he'd say it like this: "Golly, it's kind of funny." But and then he'd go into a story. We would have conversations over the last few weeks, and he'd say, "Golly, it's kind of funny that these things happen." But I feel like sometimes I just didn't meet the mark and I'd remind him that you know none of us meet the mark at times and I think I think what he put into me I was able to put back into him in fact I I know that to be the case and and you know you guys know that I'm still writing that book called The Paper Trail and I got a chance to read the prologue to him. And the great thing about his passing was that he was completely, completely lucid the whole time. And it was almost surreal to me that here's this man who his body is failing, but his mind is acute, incredibly acute. And we could talk about anything. And, and he was so aware of his situation and that his days were numbered and it didn't phase him, not so much. The only thing that bothered him was that he wasn't right with certain people and he wanted to make that right. I respect that. But he would say, you know, I, 
I feel bad that, you know, I wasn't able to be the father that I would have wanted to be. And I'd remind him that, you know, we do what we do the best we can. And some days we're not the best, but some days we hit it out of the park and maybe nobody even notices. But God notices. I said, Dad, you don't have anything to worry about. I know your heart and so does God. So he spent those final days reliving some of his memories, like the time when he and a friend had done a bunch of hitchhiking. I think it was right after high school. Pretty sure it was before his Navy days. And, you know, they would hitchhike around and, you know, live in a tent and just explore. I guess you did that kind of stuff in the 60s, right? Well, anyway, he tells the story of how they found a field, some farmer's field, and they camped on the edge of it, had a campfire and stuff. And in the morning, they packed up their stuff and they were walking through the field back to the road. As they were walking the road, this farmer had a pickup or something and asked, you know, where, where are you guys going? And my dad told him, and so he said, hop on in, well, I'll take you. And so these guys, these two young adults, hopped in this old guy's truck, and they're driving. And I'm sure my dad was thinking, yeah, well, where are we going to go next? And, you know, what's what's new on the horizon kind of thing? And the old guy, was, I guess it was a cold morning, and the guy turned on his heater. And then my dad started to realize what they must have been walking through in that field. That, that pig field. There was, there was pig manure on that field. I don't need to tell you what that heater did to the inside of that truck before long. And Dad and his friend were uh, distinctly aware of the predicament they were in. And the old guy was just driving along. Well, at one point, Dad looked at the old guy, and the old guy looked at Dad and said, Well, this is as far as I'm going to go. And so they, they hopped out, expecting this old farmer to, to turn back or turn left or right. And he got them out of the car and then kept on going. Apparently that wasn't as far as he was going, but that's as far as he was going to go with those two in his ride. We laughed about that one. (laughs) I'm just realizing that that's such a great metaphor for life. If you've got something smelly in your ride and you're driving, it's your responsibility to get that gone. You know, if there's anything that Dad has taught me is that in life there can... There can be these smelly things, and you need to deal with them. So I might have another one of these podcasts where I remember maybe another facet of Dad's life. I hope you've enjoyed this little look in inside his. You know, I told you that Dad put things into me, and then I'm putting them into my kids. And I feel honored to be part of that 
you know, God put things into him and, and he put things into me and I put things into my kids. And as an extension of all of this, you know, God puts things into me and I share them with you. And then God puts things into you and you, you share it. It's, it's all about communicating the love of God, right? Well, when dad was talking to me and I, I would be sitting right next to him, I, I was trying to finagle that side thing in the hospital bed, the, the little thing that protects you from rolling out. I was trying to get that down and out of my way. And I was having a hard time figuring it out. And he said, you just got to push that lever. Okay, thanks, Dad. Thanks a lot. feel like a little kid. I, got, I pushed the lever and, and the thing went down. I was able to sit right next to him. It was really awesome. It's almost like we're shoulder to shoulder. We didn't watch one bit of TV in that room. We just talked. And at one point, I was able to read to him that prologue from the book. You know, he's completely aware. He's just tired. So he said, hey, can I shut my eyes while you read this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to fall for that one. You're going to keep your eyes open. No, I'm just joking. So, yeah, I said, yeah, chill out, Dad. You need to get your rest. But um, I could tell that he was totally hearing me and active in the in the moment because I'd read some of it and there'd be a funny part or something and and he'd laugh at it or whatever and and there'd be a really poignant part and uh, he'd like perk up and say you know that's exactly right blah 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 it meant a lot to me to be able to read that story to him because the story is about a man who's going through life and he's close to death uh, he's on a he's in the, he's struggling in the desert. He doesn't know why he's there. It's just his path he's on. He's in the desert, and he doesn't know where he's going. He's got no direction, and he's running out of supplies, and he's close to death. And I thought about should I read this story to him? Because at this point, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. But I really felt the, the spirit of God saying that this would be good for him to hear. And now I know that's it's definitely it was a good thing. So anyway, the story is this guy is just about to expire. And this rescuer comes out of nowhere and tends to his needs. Kind of like a good Samaritan kind of thing. But the gist of the story is, and you're going to read it, hopefully soon when I get this book done, the gist of the story is this rescuer had once been like this guy and he was rescued and he was equipped to become a rescuer and that rescuer is equipping this this guy close to death to be a rescuer it's a great picture of how we as followers of Christ really have that as our mandate we're rescuers and dad in 72 got his rescue gear from God Almighty and learned that little bit of how to be a Christian and and developed over years and years and helped rescue many people with his kind spirit with the worship songs that he would play and write and just by who he was and not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
he became a rescuer. And he would admit, at times he needed rescuing. See, in that story, the rescuer that was helping this main character out, he said, you know what, I'm equipping you to become a rescuer. And you know what, you might find me down the road. And I might need some help. Isn't that how it goes? My, my dad needed help along his way. And I feel like I had a chance to be the one rescued and to be the rescuer. And, and you have that today too. If you've listened to these podcasts, you have enough within you to be that rescuer. You've had opportunities to make the Lord of all to be your Lord and to introduce others to Christ. It's not about a political movement. It's not about finding enlightenment. It's just about finding the truth and knowing the truth about us, which is that we make mistakes. We fail, but God never fails. I think that's the thing that Dad's life has taught me the most is that we can make mistakes, but it's okay that we make mistakes. What's more important is if we learn from them and follow the one who doesn't make mistakes. Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity that I've had today to reach many people with the story of your grace and your blessing on the lives of many. Lord, help me to be the man you've called me to be. And Lord, I'm praying that those who are hearing this are able to become the people that you've called them to be. And I don't know what that means, but you do. And Lord, I pray that as people walk through their journey, that their hearts are open to your gentle nudging and direction. That's all I'm asking. Lord, I'm praying for the hearts of many right now, that they would be able to hear you, sense you, acknowledge you, and then ultimately follow you. Lord, I thank you for this time. Amen. Well, today has been a very interesting cast, and I want to thank you for hanging out with me, sitting through my slideshow of my dad's life, so to speak. I trust it's been good. So as I always sign off, you stay in that word of God. You live in peace, and you pray for those who persecute you. And we've just recounted a story of a man's life. I could go on and on and on, I'm sure. But when it all boils down, it's the things that are eternal that matter the most. And I feel like what God has done in my dad's life have set the stage for an eternity of blessing. I wish that and I pray that for you in Jesus' name. And I will see you on the flip.